All right. Hey, everyone. Good morning. That was a beautiful time of worship, right? Can we just give it up for Jesus? Can we just do that? Um, hey, welcome. I am so glad you guys are here. My name is Josiah. If I haven't met you yet, I would love to meet you and just say what's up after. Um, we are doing this new series, so do me a favor. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Luke 11. Luke 11. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We want to get you a Bible so you can follow along with us. It is so important today. So if you don't own a Bible, keep that. That is our gift to you. Uh, but Luke chapter 11 is where we're at. Um, while you guys are turning there, let me just kind of briefly share. Last week we had a baptism. I don't know if you heard that. A baptism. Um, <laughs> sorry. We had a baptism last week. Four people got baptized. And honestly, it was so beautiful. Um, just kind of standing at water's edge, hearing why people came forward, why they wanted to get baptized. Um, there's nothing like just seeing someone publicly say, um, I want to do what Jesus did. Um, I want to relate to Jesus in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection. I want to walk in newness of life. I love baptisms. It was an emotional, beautiful baptism. Just, I just want to say thank you. Um, because a lot of you guys have been praying for those people. You invited them to church. Um, you covered them in prayer during this time. You spent with time with them, you know, invested in them. And so keep it up. That is awesome. Keep inviting people. God saves. God is still saving. And we're just praying for God to do more of that uh, here in South Florida. Amen? All right, we, are in this, uh, we just started a series called Spiritual Formation a few weeks ago. And I'm so thankful for this series. I really do pray that it's life-changing for us. Um, here's the question we're trying to answer. It's simply, how do we grow? Like, how do we change? You know, if you really think about it, there's a lot of talk of just, you know, we want to grow, we want to change. And the question we don't always get to maybe is how? How does someone become more like Jesus? How do you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus? So how do we do this? And this is where spiritual disciplines come in. This is where spiritual formation comes in. So you kind of know our working definition, maybe not, but spiritual formation is being formed by the Spirit inwardly into the likeness of Jesus through timeless practices and disciplines. All right, you guys are going to get this memorized, I know, by the end of this series. But it's being formed by the Spirit. It's a work of the Spirit. The Spirit is forming us, transforming us into the image of Jesus through timeless practices and disciplines. And so we've been going kind of through just these disciplines, these practices. We want to reintroduce to us like different rhythms of grace, rhythms of life. I think kind of it's easy to get out of whack. We've talked about the last couple of weeks, um, unintentional spiritual formation versus intentional spiritual formation. See, all of us are being formed into something by someone. You're either becoming more like Jesus or less like Jesus. There's really no neutral ground. We're all being formed by something and someone. And so we've talked about having intentional spiritual formation, and this is kind of how we put it, uh, in place of the stories we believe, uh, we have teaching. In place of our habits is practice. In place of our relationships is community. In place of our environment is the Holy Spirit. You see, for all of us, there's different narratives we believe about life, community, relationships, sex, whatever it might be. There's different narratives thrown at us, and in place of that, we have teaching, the teachings of Jesus, the teaching from the Word of God. Uh, we all have a different environment. Maybe we grew up in our work or family, and our environment now is the Holy Spirit. Uh, we have different habits right now, and God is saying, I want you to take on these practices. Remember Matthew 7, two weeks ago? Whoever hears these sayings of mine and practices, practices these things will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. 
So we want to put these things into practice, and we have a community, and we'll talk about community in the future. So if you remember last week specifically, we talked about the Christian uh, practice of meditation, meditation. Um, maybe for some of you that kind of weirded you out. We looked at the difference between Eastern meditation and Christian meditation. We talked about silence and solitude, scripture, just listening. I hope you had time to practice this week. Maybe for you, I hope this was a time where you like, maybe you sensed the Lord provoking and moving your heart, stirring your heart for maybe the first time in a long time. Uh, I think this, this practice of meditation on the word of God is maybe like a lost art that I think is really kind of the beginning. It kind of ignites the fire just for God to bring renewal and do something new. Uh, and if you guys remember, we had this list, and I want you just to see this because there's different practices, not to overwhelm you, not to confuse you, but there's these practices of disengagement and practices of engagement. So for example, if you can see them up here, uh, you know, we have silence, solitude, fasting, things that kind of disengage, which are really necessary. For all of you that are like, go, 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 busy, 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 maybe you need to practice some of these um, disengagement practices. For those of you who are maybe more introverted or maybe you like want to run from community, maybe you need to start engaging more, whether in worship or celebration or community or prayer or study. And God's like, I want you to engage more, not about doing less, but maybe take on some more. So we kind of looked at maybe at different points in our life, we need to emphasize or practice some of these disciplines more than others. And this is so good. So today, here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to look at the practice of prayer. All right, the practice of prayer. And I really hope this shapes and just changes our lives individually and corporately as a church. Uh, a guy named Richard Foster, who's kind of like the guru of, you could say, of uh, spiritual formation, he said this, of all the spiritual dis disciplines, prayer is the most central because it ushers us into the perpetual communion with the Father. He goes, out of all of these, he goes, you could say this is the most essential because it just brings us in deep relation to the Father. So here's what we're going to look at. We're gonna look at the life of Jesus. Jesus prayed, Jesus prayed a lot. This was a practice of his. Listen, if Jesus needed to pray, how much more should we need to pray? Um, this is so, we talked about this two weeks ago. Remember this, this thought uh, that I wanna just reiterate. If you wanna experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. If you wanna experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And so Jesus was one who prayed. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at Luke 11. Uh, this has been famously called the Lord's Prayer. I think it's more appropriately the disciples' prayer because uh, this, John 17 is where we see Jesus praying in depth. Read that chapter. It's Jesus praying to the Father. This is more like, hey, disciples, as you pray, take this on. This was not meant to be some mindless, zombie-like state of just uttering words. We don't really know what we're saying. Um, we're going to look at that and talk about that. We should consider everything we're saying. We should contemplate everything we're saying. Um, it should be something we believe as we're saying it. And so we're going to walk through this. And I'm really hoping that this will shape and change our prayer life, that God will do something new and fresh. So Luke chapter 11, why don't we do this? Why don't you guys stand as we read the word today? So why don't you stand? We're going to read Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, It came to pass, as Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, when he stopped praying, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, and read with me out loud. Here we go. Our Father, read with me, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, 
and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are our Father. That all of us here can look to you who we've been made in your image. That God, you've made us to be image bearers of you. And Jesus, I just, I just ask that you would do something new and fresh in our lives. God, I ask that you would change my, change our prayer life, how we pray. God, just the time we get to just be still and listen. God, let us, let us incorporate this with other disciplines like meditation, like fasting. Jesus, we want to hear from you again. We want to see you do a fresh new work in the church that can only be done by your spirit and mixed with prayer. So I thank you for this group here. God, we thank you for you and your love, and we're here just to worship you now in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, on Wednesday night, I think I had one of my favorite moments ever as a parent. Um, let me kind of walk you through what happened. Um, recently, my son, he, he used to like pray a lot during dinners, and he was just really cute hearing like a three-year-old pray. And I don't know, when he turned four the last few months, his, his prayer life kind of changed, kind of like went absent. And we're like, what happened? Like, we, we've asked, like, Mike, what's happening? He's like, well, I'm four now. We're like, okay, like, you still need to pray, you know. So we've asked him, all, like, what's going on, man? Like, why did you used to pray a lot? You're not praying as much anymore, and we're trying to, like, figure that out. And, and one night, and it was, like, shocking. We asked him, I was asked him in bed, I go, Mike, like, why aren't you praying as much? I've asked him to pray before bed. I'm like, why don't you pray? Like, what's going on? And he, tell, he told the truth, and it, like, it really hurt. He goes, well, one day at dinner, I prayed, and I said, God, thank you for the playground. And you and mommy laughed. And I was like, oh my gosh, right? Like, as a parent, you're like, uh, what do I say? What do I do? And I'm like, Micah, because it was just so beautiful, dude. Like, it was just so sincere. And like, I'm thankful for playgrounds. Playgrounds are great. Like, yes, let's thank God for playgrounds. You know, I'm like trying to like catch up. And he's like, but you laughed. I'm like, I was like laughing with you. And I could tell like this scarred him. I'm like, oh, I feel so bad. So it's been a while. So on Wednesday night, like I said, this was honestly one of my favorite moments I've ever had. Um, Kimber comes home a little bit later. She's bringing home groceries. He, he goes out. He's helping Kimber unload the car with groceries, and he has. He goes, I'll get the last bag. And as he goes outside, we hear him just say, Jesus, help me. <laughs> like, this phrase that. And I don't know if he got scared. It was dark. But he's like, Jesus, please help. And so he, and he walks back in. We're like, Micah, you, yeah, why are you praying? He's like, I just wanted to pray. And this is what he does. He goes, I want you to go in the kitchen. I'm going to go in the living room and pray. And the living room is just like dark. He's like, I'm going to go and pray. Don't you come in. I'm going to pray. So he's in the kitchen, and like, we like, want to hear, you can kind of hear him talking, so like walking in. He's like, I see you, don't come in. I'm like, ah. And it's funny, like, I just think of like Jesus casting out the doubters. That's what he was doing. He's like, get out of here. I need all faith in the room, you know. He's just trying to cast us out. So he's like, you hear his little like prayer, and it's just so cute. We're like, we're both like, shh, stop talking. Like, stop breathing. We want to hear what he's saying. And so he's praying for a while, and he'd see my shadow kind of turn the corner. And he's like, I see you. I'm like, I'm like, close your eyes when you pray. You know, like, we're just like talking back and forth, because I really want to hear him. Anyways, after a few minutes, like it's a few minutes, he comes back in, we're putting the groceries away, and, and he's like, I just prayed. I'm like, Michael, what did you pray about? And he simply he just I had to write everything down, by the way. I really did, like right away, write everything down. He goes, I prayed about heaven and earth. I'm like, you prayed about heaven and earth? I'm like, what did you pray about heaven and earth? He goes, I prayed about heaven and earth. I'm like, I must know. Like, what did you pray? He goes, I already told you, heaven and earth. I'm like, okay. So, you know, that's like the moment, and then Kimber goes, and she's getting ready for bed, getting the baby ready for bed, and, and I'm like, Micah, I really want to know what you prayed. He goes, okay, why don't you come with me? And he really invited me. He goes, come on in the living room. So he's like, I'll pray with you. I was so excited. So he brings me into the living room. He goes, Dad, get on your knees. So I'm like, okay, I get on my knees. He's like, close your eyes. I close my eyes, and while I'm doing this, he's just walking around talking like, you know, he's a four-year-old. He's like lounging on the couch. I like look up. He's like, stop, eyes closed, head bowed. I'm like, ah. But it, we're there, and this is the first thing out of his mouth, and I had to write it down to remember. He just says, um, 
Jesus, I want to be taken to heaven with you. And then he simply said, these words, you are the king of the universe. And I was like, Ugh. like, you know, your heart's just melting at that moment. And then he just starts praying some more, and I look up, and he's like, close your eyes, you know, we're just kind of in that. And he kept on just saying, Jesus, you are the king of the universe. He's been influenced by Kanye recently. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but he just kept praying that and saying that. And then he goes, and then he says to me, uh, or then he says to the Lord, I had to write this down. He, he just said, um, Jesus, uh, you are the king of the universe, and anyone who does not believe in you will be skeletons forever. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I don't know, because I don't know what's going on. I'm like, well, he's kind of not wrong, like sort of wrong, but whatever. And then for six minutes, he just prays and tells the story of David and Goliath. And it's really cute. He just literally talking to God. He's like, so D God, when David fought Goliath, and for six minutes, literally, he's just praying about David and Goliath, that story. And then he said, and thank you for playgrounds, amen. That's what he did. <laughs> It was like the best moment, and, I, and then the whole time, like, he just said, bow your head, close your eyes. So I leave, and, you know, he was, like, on, like, a high. It was so cool. Like, we're so proud of you for praying, dude. And he goes, well, I never told you my secret prayer. I'm like, oh, what's your secret prayer? And again, I had to write this down. He goes, here's my secret prayer. And he goes, this is what I say to God. Thank you for everything in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. That's my secret. I'm like, oh. I'm like, I love that prayer. Anyways, this moment for me was like one of the highlights because it's been like months of him praying and, and just sitting there and listening to your child just talk innocently and purely before the Lord, not worried about what he's saying, how he's going to be judged, how theologically inaccurate he is, but that's okay. We'll talk about that later when he grows up. Um, no, but just like listening to the purity of it was just beautiful. Honestly, when I was listening, I go, Lord, help me learn from this. He's just talking to you as he's talking to a friend. It was just so pure. And he just, when he's like saying, you are the king of the, I'm like, God, remind me of that phrase. Remind me of who you are as I approach you. And there really is a lot to learn. And here's why I'm bringing this up. The disciples are watching Jesus pray. They're watching Jesus pray. And when he's done, they go, Jesus, teach us how to pray. You obviously know what you're doing. Teach us to pray. And I want you guys to note this, because this is finally a really good request from the disciples. The disciples had a lot of requests of Jesus. A lot of them weren't so spiritual. If you remember like in Luke chapter 9, like Jesus was rejected in the city of Samaria and the James and John go, hey, um, Jesus, should we just call down fire from heaven and like consume them? He's like, no, I'm not coming to destroy lives. But, the but like think about their requests in the past. You know, when Peter goes, he, he sees Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He sees, you know, Elijah and Moses show up and Peter goes, oh, I have an idea. Should we just build like three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah? He's like, no. They've had such weird requests before. You remember James and John are like, hey, can we be at your right hand in the kingdom? They actually send a, you know, their mom. Can my sons be at the right hand of your kingdom? Like, you don't know what you ask. Finally, they have a really good request. And I really want us to think about this. When you go to Jesus and say, Jesus, teach me how to, they say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. I find that fascinating. They could have been like, Jesus, teach us how to preach. You're a phenomenal preacher. You're the best preacher ever. Jesus, teach us how to like cast out demons. Teach us how you did that walking on water thing. That was pretty cool. Like teach us how to do these things. But they didn't. They said, teach us how to pray. And I, and I want us to get this because I really do believe they knew that the source of his strength, of his power came from prayer. That he could preach the way he preached. He could heal the way he healed. He could do what he did at the pace he did because it was backed up by prayer. See, I think they knew something about Jesus that we got to, again, if Jesus prayed consistently, if Jesus who said, I and the Father are one, and he's praying all the time, how much more should you and I pray? I mean, just a few verses. We kind of threw these out last week a little bit when we talked about silence and solitude, but just hear this again when it comes to Jesus praying. Uh, Mark chapter one says, in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, Jesus went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. 
Luke 5, 16. Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness and, say it, prayed. In those days uh, that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Matthew 14. And when he had sent the multitudes away, Jesus went up on the mountain uh, by himself to now when evening came, he was alone there. My point is Jesus was constantly getting alone praying. And they're watching this. And they're with him by his side. And they're going, Jesus, what you're doing, we need to do. Here's what's interesting to me. Uh, Jesus at this point in time in Luke chapter 11 already preached the Sermon on the Mount. He already preached the greatest sermon ever preached where he, he said, this is how you should pray. I find it interesting where they go, teach us how to pray. And Jesus is like, did you not hear me the first time? And he teaches them the prayer that he gave at the Sermon on the Mount. And he walks through this beautiful sermon. Now let me just say this, because we'll, we'll look at this more in depth, the sermon or the, the prayer itself. But here's what I want us to see. Um, as they asked him, teach us to pray. We want to know how to pray. Jesus isn't trying to give us some mindless thing to just kind of mutter, that we are kind of like, we know the words, but yet our heart and our mind are distant. I think many times we can, we might think of this like, God, give us a prayer. That's not what he's doing. That's not what they're asking. They're saying, teach us how to pray. We want a model of prayer. How do we pray? I don't know if you've ever been given like one of those prayers you pray through, like maybe on a card or you saw it on, on, like, online or maybe your mom or dad used to pray a prayer. I remember this prayer as a kid. It's a terrifying prayer. Remember this one of, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. What a terrifying thing to teach, teach a child. Like, I remember like hearing that, like, what do you mean if I die before I wake? I'm like, yeah. Like, all right, Johnny, make sure you pray your prayers in case you die. <laughs> like, I just think it's so evil. But we'd have like these rehearsed prayers and like it'd freak us out. I think that God is not trying to give us some rehearsed thing, like even the Lord's Prayer. I really don't think it's supposed to be some rehearsed thing as much as it is a model for us how to pray. We actually learn about God and his nature and who he is and what he tells us. Here's what you should care for and here's how you should intercede for others and yourself. And so we're going to walk through that. So here's what I want to talk about today. All right. We're going to look at simply what is prayer, why pray, how to pray. When we get to how to pray, we'll talk more through specifically this prayer. But what is prayer? Why pray? How to pray? As we're trying to become more like Jesus and grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, prayer is going to be a key element of that. So let's look at the first point. What is prayer? Like, what is it exactly? Um, sometimes the best way to define something is by saying what it's not. Like, here's what it's not. Because maybe we have an idea of what it, we think it is, but we got to know what it's not. Jesus, when he describes prayer in Matthew 6, says, here's what prayer shouldn't be. Here's what's not. So I'll throw the verses up. Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 5 and verse 7. He says, When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, referring to the Pharisees. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the streets that they may be seen by men. But when you pray, and he says again, verse 7 now, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Here's what Jesus is doing. He's saying there's some cultural issues of prayer in our day. The cultural issues are they really want to be seen by men. And then he says in verse 6, we'll talk about praying in secret. He says the cultural issue in our day is, is that they just use vain, they don't even know what they're saying. I think that's an issue in our day. So Jesus says, here's what it's not, before he says, here's what it is. So really quick, let's look at this, what prayer is not in our day. All right, I'm going to give you a little bit list. And honestly, this might be offensive because it's offensive to me as I was like, what is, like, what is prayer not? Like, what do I do that is a bad habit in prayer I need to break? So here's the first thing. I want you to take note of this. Uh, prayer is not a time, as you know, to subtly gossip right? The church is guilty of this. My God, just be with Ashley. I mean, her and her boyfriend last night went way too far. Like, we can do it in a group. We're talking out loud. We're like, ah. I've been a part of way too many prayer meetings. You're like, are you just trying to like, unleash information? Like, I have information you don't have. Like, this is not what prayer is. All right, here's one that's not as, uh, 
big a deal, but it, it's funny to me. Um, vain repetitions. When you pray, don't feel like you have to say God, Lord, or Father God hundreds of times. I know that you might know this, but I went to a prayer meeting in the city of Deerfield Beach, and a pastor was praying. And he probably said Father God about 150 times. And I have no idea what he prayed, because all I could hear is Father God, and we asked him to do is Father God. And I feel like it just, after a while, you hear it and you go, oh, wow, like, it's just a vain repetition. Imagine talking to me like, hey, Josiah, how you doing, Josiah? What's up, Josiah? Josiah, Josiah. I'm like, stop saying my name. You said my name. I get it. You're talking to me. Like, you said my name once. I get it. That's enough. Maybe you saw this uh, funny post. I don't know if you've heard of the Babylon Bee, but it's like Christian satire, and it's kind of great sometimes. Um, here's what they put out. They said, study. Effectiveness of prayer directly linked to number of times you say Father God. I thought that was funny. They're being sarcastic, obviously. But this is true. I think sometimes we, we forget, like, we can fall into vain repetitions. We can fall into this mind. I'm, I'm just jumping into this. And this one is not as big as a deal, but here's a subtle thing that I'm trying to work on. So don't feel convicted if you do this, because this is me. Um, stop saying we pray when we're praying. All right, here's what I mean. We mean to say ask. I find myself going, God, I just pray that you would do this, and I pray that you would do this. Like, I'm praying. It's weird to tell God I'm praying when I'm praying. Hey, God, I'm praying. He's like, I know. <laughs> right? Like, this is a subtle one, but I just, what we mean to say is, God, we ask that you would heal this, but we ask, like, it's okay to say ask. I think it's just, I'm not trying to say this is bad. I'm trying to say we fall sometimes into these mindless kind of repetitious things that we do, and, and I want to be aware. I think of Ecclesiastes 5 where he says, you are God in heaven, here I am on earth, I'll let my words be few. And I think we should just take every word into consideration when we pray. Um, here's what I want to say also, when it's, when, not how not to pray, don't be so professional. There's a temptation to want to sound really spiritual. There's a temptation, like sometimes I pray with people and like they spoke in like old King James and had a British accent. I'm like, where did that come from? Like, Father, you God, we come, I'm like, whoa, like that's not how you pray. Like just, just be like a, a child, right? That child like just coming out. Don't be so, I love how John Climacus, this old uh, church father said, he says, when you pray, do not try to express yourself in fancy words. Do not strive for verbosity or lest your mind be distracted. I can't even say that word. By a search for words. He's like, just don't try to sound so intelligent. Just pray what you got. Just pray what you got. Don't be worried about what others think. You're not talking to them. There's a temptation for us to be like, well, what are they going to think? Who are you talking to in prayer? You have an audience of one. Um, and then lastly, I'd say maybe, and maybe this, was, this one's, again, this one's hard for me. Maybe we should stop telling God how humble we are. This might offend many people, but it's like, God, we come before you humbly right now. And whenever I hear that, I'm like, oh. Like God's like, no, you don't. <laughs> I know your heart. Like I don't need to tell God I'm coming before him humbly. He probably knows how I come before him. He's actually come before me full of sin right now. Like, I just, I'm not I just think these are cultural things we do. And the Lord's like, hey, just be consistent. I'm not trying to make you self-conscious of how you pray. You're like, that's what you did. I'm sorry. But I want us to just take into account how we pray, how we fall into just maybe cultural things. And God's like, I'm calling you out of that, just in a deeper intimacy with me. So here's, what is prayer? So what is prayer? You guys know this, but prayer is simply talking with God. Not necessarily talking to God, it's talking with him. It's a conversation. The, the hope of prayer is that there is direct intimacy with God. I remember Chuck Smith, um, a pastor that was just very influential in my life, said sometimes he would sit down and put a chair in the room and just be really quiet. And he goes, we know that God's with us. We know that God is everywhere. So sometimes I just try to imagine God being in that chair. And I just try to talk to him as if he's in the room. I don't know if you've ever tried anything like this. You kind of feel crazy, one, at first. But two, you really, you really do change how you pray. If God is right here, how am I going to address Father? Like, how are you going to address him? How are you going to talk to him? You're going to be probably more, you're probably going to be quiet for a little while. You might confess sin. You might praise him and worship for a little bit. 
There's just something about realizing we're ha- we have communion, intimacy, conversation with him. I don't want to overcomplicate it. When I, I've talked to so many people, I go, I don't know how to pray. I go, you're talking to me. Just, just do what you're doing with God, that. Just do that with God. Like, let's not make this too difficult. I love how one author says it. He says, here's what prayer is, essentially. Um, Henry Nouwen, he says, the discipline of prayer is the intentional, concentrated, and regular effort to create space for God. Everything and everyone around us wants to fill up every bit of space in our lives and so make us not only occupied people, but preoccupied people as well. See, prayer is just trying to create some space. We, again, as we talked about last week, are in such a high-paced culture, and that's why silence, solitude, meditate, like scripture, prayer, all of this is just, it does work together. These are disciplines we should try to do at the same time. But just saying, God, I want to create space for you. Can I just say this, by the way? My goal is not necessarily for you to pray more. That's not necessarily the goal. You know, prayer is, remember, remember like all the disciplines, prayer is not the end goal. Prayer is a means to the end. The end goal is intimacy, communion, enjoyment of God, enjoyment of Jesus. The kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I just want you to enjoy Jesus. There's times in my prayer life where like I'll laugh. I don't know, because something comes to my mind or I'm praying something that just sounds ridiculous. And I'll like, I think there's something about just having a genuine just conversation. Again, prayer is not the end goal. It's a means to the end. And all of these disciplines we're going to talk about, I'm, I want us to be stirred to take on these disciplines, but not just to become more disciplined for the sake of being more disciplined, but for the sake of us really hearing from God and enjoying God and creating that space. Amen? Would you agree? Uh, David Mathis, I think, put it really well. He said, prayer, listen, prayer for the Christian is not merely talking to God, but responding to the one who has initiated toward us. He has spoken first. This is not a, a conversation we start, but a relationship into which we've been drawn. His voice breaks the silence. Then, in prayer, we speak to the God who has spoken. Our asking and pleading and requesting originate not from our emptiness, but his fullness. Prayer doesn't begin with our needs, but with his bounty. Its origin is first adoration and only later in asking. Just begin with God. We talked about last week initiating prayer versus answering prayer. Maybe we just open the word, let God speak, and our prayer back is just just talking back with him. Uh, Dallas Willard, again, said this. He goes, prayer is talking with God about what we are doing together. I love that. It's just talking with God about what we're doing together. It's saying, hey, God, what's your agenda for today? Hey, God, what is it you want to speak? What is it you want to do and lead me? And it's, again, it's not us just talking to God. I cannot emphasize enough the importance of being quiet when you pray. If you've ever asked God a question in prayer, wait. This is a hard discipline for me. I'll, in prayer, sometimes beg, God, what is it you want me to do today? And then I'll just keep going. Why don't we just, God, what is it you want me to do today? And you just wait. And you think about that scripture you read before then. It's so important to have space for God to speak back in prayer. This is so key. Let me just give you a verse, how Jesus describes this. It's John 17, 3. Jesus says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you and the Son whom you sent. Hear this. This is, this is Jesus' definition of eternity. He goes, this is eternal life. You want to know what eternal life is? You want to know what heaven's like? It's that they may know you and your Son whom you've sent. It's crazy how Christians talk about heaven or being with God versus maybe Muslims describe, this is eternal life. You get 72 virgins forever, and they just become virgins all over again every night. Mormons, this is eternal life. You get your own planet, and you populate that planet. For us, heaven is Jesus. 
See, it's not, again, it's not that we try to get Jesus so we can get heaven. That's not the goal. The goal is Jesus. I really do feel like God's been trying to stir this in our hearts, and my heart and our, our church's heart, because, again, for, for so many of us, it's like the first and only concern we have is, but when I die, will I get to heaven? And I think God's trying to ask us, make us ask a bigger, bigger question, like, do you just want Jesus? Is the goal, like, what you might think, you know, is, or is the goal just Jesus? This is eternal life. Can, can I just tell you, you can have eternal life right now. It's not when you die. Jesus even says that, that you can have eternal life now, not just when you die and enter into eternal life. You can have it now through the person of Jesus. And he says, I just want you to know, I want you to know me. The goal of prayer is simply just knowing God and knowing Jesus. And that is our hope for the church. Um, so here's my question. How do you view God? When you and I pray, how, how you and I view God is probably the most important thing about us. So when you think about God, like who are you, who are you coming to? So if I'm putting myself before maybe some powerful person or influential person, if you finally, maybe you've met like your hero before, how do you present yourself? How do you talk? How do you handle yourself? If, if, if anyone, and I don't want to give examples because I'll just probably offend people, but if anyone are walking in this room of importance, you know, how do, we, how do we handle ourselves? How do we speak? How do we present ourselves? Because how you view God is so important how you approach him. I love how John Tyson says this, and this is so, he talks about the angels and their approach to God after all of eternity. Listen to this. He says, unless you break the stronghold of false images of God in your mind, listen, you'll never be drawn to prayer. The angels have been locked in a room with God for thousands of years and they still haven't gotten past the word holy. Holy, holy, holy. <laughs> if you're bored with God, you may be the person who is boring. Or it could be that you're just distracted by trivia in our culture. When you break through that boredom, you'll be drawn to the glory of who God really is. Wow. I think if you and I, I, I can, let's be honest, I think many of us struggle with prayer. Maybe this, this is not to be some condemning sermon, like sermon of, you gotta pray more. This is not that. I just think as you and I hear about God, as you and I really just meditate on the person of God, just his infinite, his, just his immeasurableness, his faithfulness throughout his history, as you and I think about God, as we, it will change how we pray and how we talk to him. And I think it won't be this like boring thing where our mind, our mind can wander and drift, but you just bring it back to the center of God. You see, again, for us, the whole point of God, or a prayer, the whole point of this is not, how can I get my will done in heaven, which I think is often how I pray, but it's, God, how can we get your will done on earth? And I really want you guys to know this. Sometimes we go to God, or like we pray, like it's like our laundry list, or like our to-do list. Hey, God, I need this, this, this. Can you get that? Okay, thank you, and we leave. Again, prayer is not a time for us to get our will done in heaven, but for him to get his will done on earth. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He goes, there's two types of people in this world. There are those who say, my will be done. And there are those who say, thy will be done. And so when you pray, you're just saying, God, here's my will. Make it happen or else. Or you're just saying, God, your will be done. What is it you want to do? Again, I think prayer is this outlet for us as vessels of God, of his kingdom, to say, God, what is it you want to do today on earth? How is it you want to like, influence earth? How do I bring heaven to earth in this moment? Amen? That's what prayer is. Now let's talk about this. Why pray? Like, why pray? Now, um, this to me is almost an arrogant question, but I've, I've been asked this. Maybe you thought this. Like, why do we pray? Like, what's up with prayer? Um, first of all, it's crazy to think that God's like, I, I want to spend time with you. Like, sometimes you're almost like, oh, I have to spend time with God. Like, why do, it's like, no, God's like, I want to spend time with you. Come boldly into my throne of grace. I mean, it's the highest privilege we have in life that we can actually enter into God's throne of grace through prayer. It's crazy. So it's weird when you say, pr why pray? I almost want to ask, well, why not pray? But let's just kind of ask this question. Well, why pray? Like, does it really work? 
I mean, let's just get to like the heart of the question I think all of us feel. Does prayer really work? Does it really change things? I mean, does prayer, yeah, I love your, yeah. Prayer, does it work though? But honestly, if we're to be honest in our heart of hearts, I think we struggle with that. I think many of us might not maybe say this out loud, but maybe you're more fatalistic in your, your mentality. You think the universe is fixed. What's going to happen is going to happen. I can't change any big things, small things. Honestly, this is something I, I've wrestled with early on in my faith and probably even more last few years. I feel like God recently kind of broke me of this. and I'll, I'll share more why, but I think a lot of us kind of have this mindset of, well, God's sovereign. God's going to do what he's going to do whether or not I pray. And that is so not true according to Jesus. I mean, if you look at the person of Jesus, it seems, call me crazy, but it seems that Jesus believed that when you pray, God responds, that God might answer it. Now, does prayer change things? Yes, but it might change you. It might change your perspective. It might change your will. It might change your passions. It might change the outcome. It might not change. It might change something else. But I can't get away from this anymore of like this prayer. Where I th- it's a question I think that honestly haunts all of us. Again, Dallas Willard uh, said it this way of, of prayer. He says, the idea that everything would happen exactly as it does, regardless of whether we pray or not, is a specter that haunts the minds of many who sincerely profess belief in God. It makes prayer psychologically impossible, replacing it with dead ritual at best. So here's the thing. If you're stuck in your prayer, if you're like stuck, it's probably because you maybe, maybe you don't believe it actually works. Maybe you don't believe it actually changes things. Maybe you're like, my prayer time is so dry because you honestly believe if I pray, is God just not going to, he's going to disregard it. Have you ever had a boss who's like, I really want to have like your, your opinion on this subject or on this policy. Tell me, how do you think and feel? We might actually take into consideration what you say and change your policy. And then like, you like share your heart. Like, this is what I want to do. And this is why I think this company needs to change this way. And they're like, thank you so much. But they definitely had in the back of their mind, like, we're not going to change that anyways. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, why did I just waste my breath? Maybe that's how you feel with God. Maybe you feel like, God, I'm coming to you, but does it really change anything? Guys, I mean, there's just countless stories, accounts, personal accounts we could get into. I think this is a bigger sermon for um, what happens when our prayers aren't answered. What happens when our prayers don't go the way we, we think it should go? I just want to throw out one verse and then one story. Here's the verse. It's 2 Chronicles chapter 7. I, I know you guys know this, but please hear the if and the then. 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. God says, listen, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and repent and turn from their wicked ways. Listen, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. Do we hear that? Do we hear the if and the then? If my people pray, if you seek my face, if you repent and just stop, stop your wickedness, then, then I will be attentive to your prayer then I'll respond. You know, Psalm 66 even talks about this. He basically says, our prayer is not heard because our sin has blocked it. He talks about this idea that maybe we're just not getting through because we first, God's like, repent of your sin. Before you ask me anything, maybe it's like, just believe in Jesus. You know, if you confess your sin, I'm faithful just to forgive you, but there's, there's sin right now that's blocking this relationship, this harmony between maybe you and God. It could be, it could be that. But I, I just want to focus on this. If you, if you repent, if you seek my face, then I will be attentive to your prayer. Church, I, I don't call me, again, call me crazy, but I think he's saying God hears our prayer. If we repent, if we seek his face, God will be attentive, God will change the circumstances. Maybe you're still a skeptic. It's okay. The early church was and still is. You know, my, one of my favorite stories I've referenced before is in Acts 12. In Acts chapter 12, we'll put the verse up here. Peter's in prison. Listen to Acts 12, 5. It says in Acts chapter 12, verse 5, uh, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Peter's chained up. 
I mean, he's like, you think all hope is lost. He's in prison. I love that the church is constantly in prayer. Like, God, free Peter. Get him out of prison. Do something miraculous. And what happens? If you remember the story that night, an angel visits Peter. Peter thinks he's having a vision. The angel's like, his chains fall off. He's like, get your clothes on. Follow me. We're going to go. And just Peter follows this angel and gets out of prison. And he's like, back kind of like in reality. He goes, what just happened? Was that a dream? He's not really sure. He goes to the house, where Mary's house, to just help. Like, oh, this is where I'll go. I'll just go to where church is being held. They're praying, God, release Peter. God, release Peter. Now listen to this. Acts chapter 12, verse 14. It says, when Rhoda, when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate. But she ran in to this prayer meeting and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. It's Peter. So they said, it is his angel. Now Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. I love this story. They're absolutely, I love this. Peter's in prison. God released Peter. God released Peter. Peter's released. He knocks the door. They're like, hey, Peter's here. Like, oh, you're crazy. Let's just keep praying. God, please release Peter. Like, oh, we just asked that you release Peter. They're like, no, it's really him. They're like, it's his angel, and which also is such a weird thought to me. I'm like, okay, if an angel's at your door, probably go answer it. Or why does your angel look like you? I don't know. Just made all these thoughts in my mind. But anyways, like, it's his angel. Don't worry about it. And then they, oh, they go, oh my gosh, it's Peter. They were so astonished. Like, our prayer actually worked. That's what the early church felt and thought. You know, this week, I've honestly, this last week, about maybe a week and a half ago, there's some specific things I was able to pray for, and they happened, and I've almost forgot to just thank God. Where you're like, God, please do this. Please restore this. Please help. And you're like, it, you see it happening. You go, oh, that's cool. That's a coincidence. Like, wh- what is up with that? Why don't I just got to thank you? You are so faithful. If my people seek my face. Church, nothing, nothing ever good has happened without prayer first igniting it or starting it. There's never been a revival. There's never been people getting saved or born again without prayer first initiating that. There's just, it hasn't been that way. I could give you story after story in Daniel 10, and personal. I mean, but why is it that we just so doubt? Again, Richard Foster speaking of this says, listen to this, we are working with God to determine the outcome of things. It needs to be said reverently, but it does need to be said. We are co-creators with God in advancing his kingdom upon the earth. Do you really believe this? Do I really believe this? Do you really believe that our prayer is helping advance the kingdom? I'm praying for God, your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as I pray for that, I'm actively getting involved with that work. Guys, prayer really, really does change things. And I, if we could just be people that actually believe again that God is faithful to hear the prayer of his saints, what would we see? You know, John Wesley said this. He says, God does nothing but an answer to prayer. I really do want you to think about this. Nothing good has ever happened without prayer. I just think of even the start of this church, just praying for like a year in our apartment for a while, just a few people, maybe one, two, maybe five, if we were lucky, seven. <laughs> And I just feel like, God, your fa- this wasn't me. This is you. This is your faithfulness, your goodness. There's something about just praying and calling upon God. Because I don't want to be a church that just like we, we do prayer once in a while, but like we are people of prayer. And I can't force that. I can't manipulate that. I think how we view God just greatly matters. That the angels look at God and just they can't get over the word holy. I love that. thought. like, ah, holy, I'll just stay there forever. I can't move on. And just for us, like let's just give ourselves over to the, who he is and what he does. This is just so key. You know, Hebrews 11, 6 says what? This little phrase that just blows me away. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I really do wrestle with that. I think that this has been a verse, I've probably seen it maybe abused, maybe people just misinterpret or overemphasize, but I think it kind of put me to the other end of the spectrum where God's trying to bring me back and say, no, no, like, do you believe I am a rewarder of those who diligently seek me? 
Diligently seek me, seek my will, seek my face, and then, and then. This is what I, I, I really do hope and am praying for is that we become this kind of people. That we pray like Elijah where he's going, God, bring rain, and he looks up. He's like, okay, there's no rain cloud. God, bring rain, and he looks up. Okay, there's no rain. And he's seven times, and he sees like a little like rain cloud the size of a hand in the distance. He's like, oh, it must be God. He prays more, God, bring rain. And I just love this expectation of looking down and looking up, looking down looking up. I, I, do you pray where you look down and say, God, do this, and you look up and you say, where's the results? No, I'll pray again. Where's the results? I'll pray again. This is really how prayer is described over and over again. Church, if there's someone you think in your life that God could never save them, God could never save her, do you know what they've done? Do you know how far they've gone? Or this relationship is so broken. I believe God is saying, have you, have you genuinely labored in prayer for this? Do you not think that I want to save them more than you? Why doesn't he do it just then? I don't fully understand. I know that he calls us to participate in this work. I know he calls us to join him in this work. I know if he says, if you pray, then I will. I don't really understand it fully, but I know what I'm told to do, to pray. Would you agree? Amen? Yes? This is our hope. I love what Greg Laurie says. He says, we have many theorists, theorists and very few practitioners. You know, it's frustrating being around people who love to talk about the Bible but not live it. It's frustrating being around people who like, I love prayer but don't pray. It's like we have very, a lot of people who like to theorize and talk and sort of fight about the Bible but very few practitioners. So here's the thing. Why don't we just do this more? Like, why don't we pray more? Why, why don't we see things happen more? Why doesn't this change more? Um, why? And I'll say this, probably because we're not asking. Simply put, I'd say we have not. Because why? What did Jesus say? You have not because you ask not. In Luke chapter 11, verse 8 to 13, he gives this wonderful story. He goes, you don't have because you don't ask. Listen, if a son asks father for bread, is he going to go, here's a stone? If a son asks a father for an egg, he's going to go, here's a scorpion, son. He's like, of course not. And you being evil, and I love Jesus, like, I love that. You're evil, and yet you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit to those of you who ask him? Ask for the Holy Spirit. God's like, I want it. I want to. Ask. James 4.3 says again, and we'll put it up on the screen. James 4.3, you do not have because you do not ask. And he says this, you ask and don't receive, but I asked. Why? Because you asked a miss that you may spend it on your pleasures. It wasn't about advancing the kingdom, it's about you. It's about what you want, your will, not God's will. I really do believe when we join God in prayer through aligning our will with his will, you'll see it done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen, church. Let us believe this. I, want to, I love that Jesus, and I, I joked about it early on, but when Jesus, when there's a dead girl in the room and there's people doubting, you can't bring this girl back to life, she's dead. He's like, get out of the room. Peter, James, and John, you stay. Every skeptic, every doubter, get out. I'm going to pray with people who believe this can happen. There's just something about that. There's something about being with people who are skeptics, and you're like, please get out of the room. This is not helpful. There's something about being with people who are like, I believe God can do, I so believe God can do, and I'm going to join in this work, and you're like, yeah, let's pray. There's something about being with people in the room who say, let's, let's do this. That's what we see time and time again with Jesus. So listen, how do we pray? Let's go to number three. How do we pray? How do we pray now? There's so many ways I can approach this. We'll look at the verse in a second. There's so many different thoughts I can give. I'm just going to give a few thoughts. How do we pray? Let me just say this. Pray honestly. Pray honestly. Whatever you have, just speak. Again, it goes back to not trying to sound overly smart, but like, just just speak. I love what C.S. Lewis said. He says, lay before him what is in us, not, he says, what ought to be in us. So good. Lay before God what's in you. Not like, well, I shouldn't really pray for that. Does God really care? That's such a small thing. Peter says, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. It's, I don't ever want you to think like, well, this is not holy enough to pray for. It's like, don't, just lay before him what you have. 
Just pray what you got in that moment. Not what you think you should be saying, because he can see right through that. But just pray what you got. Uh, not just pray honestly, but pray persistently. Pray persistently, church. If someone says to me, well, I've prayed about it, and I'm like, did you? Like, okay, maybe you prayed once, but Jesus in Luke 18 says this, Jesus spoke a parable to them. Why? That men always ought to pray and not lose heart. He's like, I'm going to give you a parable of this persistent widow who needed justice, and she went to the judge over and over again, and the judge is like, fine, I'll give you justice. And I love, it's such a weird story to me when you read it, but Jesus is like, but that's why I want you to pray. Pray persistently. Don't lose heart. I'm going to give you a parable that you don't lose heart. Uh, I think the number one thing why people stop praying is they lose heart. Well, nothing happens. Did you stop praying? Yeah. Well, uh, maybe that's what happened. Like, be persistent in prayer, church. Pray persistently. Listen, pray in secret. Pray in secret. It's Matthew 6, 6, but Jesus said this. When you pray, go into your room, and when you shut your door, pray to your Father who's in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. This is one of those things you just have to practice by faith. Like, I'm going to go pray in secret. I'm not going to tweet about it. I'm not going to put it on Facebook. I'm not going to take a selfie like me praying. Like, I'm just going to pray in secret. We're such a weird generation. We just like to do that. Like, look how spiritual. Let's just pray and still let anyone know. We're going to talk about the practice of secrecy maybe later. Um, and not only that, but here's the flip side. Pray with others. You see both in the Bible. In Acts 2, the early church was in a room together, praying together. Acts 2, 42, they, it says that, again, they devote themselves to prayers. James 5, 16, pray for one another. First uh, Timothy 2, 8, I love this. I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere. Pray everywhere. Everywhere you go, pray. So you're praying in secret, but you also pray everywhere. <laughs> you pray in secret, but you also pray with others in public. It's, you just see this dichotomy. Both are necessary. If you pray in public, but never in private, something's off. If you pray in private, but never in public, something's off. You see this, you see both. Uh, listen, pray always. <laughs> this one's hard, right? Like right now? Yeah, pray for me, please. I would love that. Pray always. Pray always. Pray without ceasing. First Thessalonians 5. Pray without ceasing. It's literally those, remember we talked about it in Nehemiah? It's this little small, where Nehemiah goes, Lord, give me strength. Lord, help us defeat our enemy. It's those little breath prayers. It's like, in this moment, God, help me. Hey, temptation is very real right now. God, give me strength to flee this. It's just those little, under the breath, in your heart, in your mind, out loud, maybe driving, but it's just have this, this attitude of, I'm always in community. God is not like, oh, wait, like, oh, I, wasn't, I wasn't there. Can you try that again? He's there. Just pray, just pray always. And listen, I want to say this. Pr- sometimes, sometimes, pray with no agenda. Sometimes, I want to, this is hard to do, but when you pray, you go, God, what's on the agenda today? Don't bring an agenda. God, what do you want me to pray for? People will come to your mind. Circumstances will come to your mind. Something you said that hurt someone will come to your mind. Don't go to God with your agenda, your list. This is hard for us, but say, God, what do you, what do you want me to pray over today, God? What, what do you want me to talk to you about today, God? And I want to encourage you, sometimes have no agenda. That's hard. Can we practice that? Now let's talk about this. We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer in a really big picture, really big picture. Here's what I want you to see. In Luke chapter 11, verse 2 through 4, it breaks up into six categories. I'm kind of throwing in Matthew 6 into this, all right? So here's what I want you to see. And we'll walk through this. You're going to see God's person, God's purpose, God's provision, God's pardon, God's protection, God's preeminence. Don't worry, we're not going to spend too much time on this. Look at the first one. God's person. Ready? God's person. What does he say? Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. He starts off the prayer by just addressing God in his person. We're literally just going to keep going. Number two, we see God's purpose. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is God's purpose. God, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Next, we're going to see God's provision. Give us this day our daily bread. God, meet our needs. 
Would you please meet our needs? Sadly, as Americans, we don't maybe find ourselves praying this prayer as often. Maybe, it's, maybe it shows, like, that's maybe why faith is so hard for us. We don't have to exercise faith daily for our daily needs. Maybe we do. He says, pray for provision, though. Next, God's pardon, forgive us our debts. And forgive any, we forgive anyone that has hurt us or been indebted to us. He prays for God's pardon. God, I need your forgiveness. God, I want to show forgiveness. Last, he's, or second to last, he says, God's protection. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, protect us. Would you protect us this moment from how the enemy might want to spin this or hurt this relationship? Protect us. And then lastly, we see this in Matthew's gospel. We see God's preeminence. He says, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's how he ends. And know it, it's God's preeminence. God, you're the one who's in control. I love how it begins with God and ends with God. It's like this bookend thing. And he's like, God, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God, you're over it all. You're preeminent. You're not just eminent. You're not just important. You're more than important. You're the importance of importance. You're everything, God. And he just reminds himself, and he prays, and he says, God, it's you. Yours is the kingdom, not mine. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. Forever, amen. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray this prayer, all right? I want to create some space for us to do these six different, like, categories. So let's do this. Why don't you just quietly, I beg, quietly, just close your Bibles, turn off your phone, <laughs> and honestly, we're gonna just going to make this a time of prayer and worship. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Close your eyes right now. We're going to walk through this. I'm going to talk briefly again <laughs> and then give you guys 20 seconds or so. Just close your eyes and hear these words, all right? Like Micah. Close your eyes! All right, thank you. Here's the first one. God's, God's person. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Would you guys close your eyes? We're going to pray this right now. Our Father, our, okay, listen. He's our Father. The person next to you who believes in Jesus, that's your brother, that's your sister. God says, approach me as Father. I'm not distant. It's not that I don't care. I'm your Father. And you are also in heaven. I want you to hear that. Father in heaven. Not only is he your Father, but he's God. And he just says this, hallowed be your name. That means set apart your name, God. Set apart your name from everything else in my life. Let your name be above all names. Let your name be above everything. I'm just going to give you 20 seconds. Praise God. Approach God and his person. Talk to God about him. Thank him for his attributes. Thank him for who he is. Take 20, 30 seconds right now. Next, I just want to pray over God's purpose. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're told to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all those other things will be added unto you. So I want you to pray right now. God, let your kingdom come. We want you to rule and reign. The world wants a kingdom, but no king. We want the king. We ask that Jesus, you'd be king. You'd be king of this world. Jesus, we want your will to be done, not my will, but your will be done. Why don't you just pray for God's will to be done? Pray right now. Say, God, I'm going to substitute my will for your will. I'm going to substitute my desires, my kingdom for your kingdom. We just pray over that right now.
next we're going to pray for God's provision. He says, give us this day our daily bread. One, I just want to ask that you just, you can, you can pray for your needs. Don't feel bad for that. That's okay. You can say, God, I have needs. There's financial needs. There's physical needs. I need your provision. God, would you provide for me? Maybe you're in a place where you say, God, you've, you've provided. Thank you. Maybe God's stirring your heart. You need to provide for someone else. Maybe God's saying, I want you to be, you're going to be an answer to someone's prayer. Just pray over God's provision right now. Next, we're going to look at God's pardon. Keep praying. He says, forgive us our sins, forgive us our debts, and God, we forgive those who hurt us. Maybe it's very hard for you to accept forgiveness from God because you're holding on to someone's pain or hurt they brought you, and God's saying, forgive them. I've forgiven you so much more, you can forgive them. You had a debt to me you could never pay, and I pay that debt. So release that person of the debt they've done to you. Maybe you just need to forgive someone in your heart right now. Release them from that debt. Then just also say, God, forgive me. Purify my, my hands. I want to draw near to you. Just, just ask God right now to draw near, to forgive. Confess sins right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your forgiveness, God. Lord, thank you, God, that you've forgiven us so much. Forgive me for just holding on to petty things or even things that I think are big or just small. Jesus, thank you for your forgiveness. Next, I just ask that you would um, spend some time praying for God's protection. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That is your prayer. God, protect my kids, protect my life, the enemy wants to thwart and hurt your marriage, your relationships. Maybe there's an opportunity that has come your way, presented itself for you to just kind of sin, to walk away from God. And say, God, lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from that. Just pray for God's protection. Lastly, we see God's preeminence, where Jesus said this in Matthew 6, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. That you are coming before a God who has all the power, all the authority in the world. Praise him for that. Thank him for that. Acknowledge that. Submit to that. We want this to be a time of just celebration of worship. Where you can say, God, yours is the kingdom. Not my will, your will. God, yours is the glory, not my glory, your glory. Let me live for you, not myself. Right now in your heart, just thank God. What does he want to thank God for? Just spend some time thanking God. As you thank God, we're going to close right now with some worship. However you want to worship, in your seat, standing, we're going to thank God for his kingdom, for his power, and his glory. Let's just worship. However you see fit, we're going to worship right now.